0: Now, here is your host. Very excited to have Ace Linnaeus Spidel, who's a chef, a family man, and one of the people that taught me so much about communication. Ace, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing, Jensen? Thanks for having Hi. me on, man. I am doing really well. So, Ace is deaf. And Ace and I work together way back 10 years ago at tag restaurant in Denver, Colorado. And I was the chef de cuisine there. ACE was a line cook and ACE taught me what it means to communicate. And I want to set the table for everyone in a kitchen. You bark orders at people all day long. I'm yelling. I need this. I need that. Who's working on this. Who's got this, how long on this. There is so much banter and noise in the kitchen ACE clearly he can read lips exceptionally well he could not hear a lot of those communications and so he asked of me said i need you to communicate with me differently i need you to make eye contact with me i need you to have physical cues and so the way that i talk now people make fun of me i am so animated i speak and enunciate with my mouth so much and speak with so many hand gestures A lot of that is due to Ace. So either you can thank him or you can (laughs) blame him for the way that I communicate because I used so many new techniques of tapping somebody on the shoulder, having them make eye contact with me and very clearly and simply letting them know what I needed from them. And so a lot of that came from Ace. So Ace, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people your experience Maybe of Tag Restaurant, of you and I working together and how you've had to figure out a way to communicate differently in the kitchen, which I think is so valuable. Yeah, it's uh,
1: I I was, after I left Tag and after I left working with you guys, I had to literally, with um, every kitchen I ever worked in, I had to kind of retrain everybody how to communicate. Uh, Probably it's it's a strange thing when you think about it, just because um, our world is so important that we communicate as quickly and uh, effectively as possible, and I think that that sometimes gets lost. When we're in the middle of trying to bang out two or three hundred covers for a service like that. We're trying to get prep done, tickets are flying in, servers need things. You know, the boss needs things. It's it, it's a bit chaotic and um, it's really hard to Uh, how people understand that is during that time with communication, the the best thing you can do is actually slow down, which is actually really goes against uh, what we're taught in the industry. Like it's got, it's fast, 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 as quick as you can, as efficient as you can get it to be. But you know, when it comes to communication, it's really, really, really important that we slow down, even if it's for two or three minutes at a time. And uh, that we engage in what's called active listening and active communication. (laughs) which is a huge part of it. And um, when I was running um, a kitchen at Bally uh, Neal, which was a, a private golf course out northeastern in Colorado, it was my kitchen for four years. And uh, I, I trained my staff from the second they walked in the door to the other departments on, like you were saying, um, taking that time to put that knife down just for a couple of minutes. And, stop what you're doing and focus on the individual really look at them and talk to them and slow down you don't need to shout you don't need to yell you know you want to be clear in what you're saying and you want to make eye contact and actually listen to what they're saying and ironically what I also found during all of that was not only practicing active listening we've um, I started to I took on um, a skill that I learned with the verbal process of transferring responsibility over to someone like making sure that they understood what i was saying that they understood what i wanted from them they understood what my expectations are and that once you know you get that heard chef or that yes chef that they understand that that they've acknowledged that yes i i I know what you want me to do but in response i want you to say back to me what i told you so that you not only did you hear it, you understood it and you're able to implement what i expect out of you that's like a major I think that's being such just an active listener is is only one step of the way you've got to be able to repeat back what's being said to you and I think that if we were able to as chefs, as managers and leaders of a team if we were able to um slow down and implement that process of like look just take a second calm down chill out listen to me listen to what I'm saying make sure that I'm being heard and make sure that you're being heard like things will go so much smoother and so much faster and you won't have you will have to stop as much. You won't have that frustration of a missed ticket time or a missed ticket call or a missed item on the prep list. Think that it's been heard, it's been acknowledged, it's been repeated and that you can move forward in confidence knowing that everything's taken care of. Um, it has created situations where people have to learn how to, to stop what they're doing. You know, you gotta stop, put your knife down, look at that individual and talk to them. But I can't tell you how many times I've had teams and managers and cooks tell me after the fact, after I left and moved on to something else, like you were saying, that um, it's changed my entire approach to communication, and people are just that much more they able to communicate in a more clear and concise way.
0: Yeah, for me, it was very interesting coming to the realization that anybody else in the kitchen who is not hearing impaired still wasn't listening. Even though I was barking all kinds of orders all day long. I'm a fast talker. I move quick. I got a lot to say. They could hear me, but they were not listening. And every single time that I communicated with you, you were so actively listening. You were intent to not just understand what I was saying, but not misunderstand the intent of what I was trying to communicate and that I was struck by that. I always remembered those interactions. And I also was heartened and disheartened the fact that other people in our kitchen really wanted to communicate with you as well and others would not change the way they communicated. And that was a huge struggle. And so I I can understand and appreciate what a challenge it was for you. And so, yeah, again, like literally, Ace, the way that I talk and use my hands is because of you. I'm, it was in me a little bit, but it's because of you. So I appreciate yeah. that. All right. So for you in this time right now, I want to check in with you a little bit and see what's happening with you and your family. We had your your wife, Heather Linnea Fidel on the show. She's a CPA. She was the first person to really talk me through all of the PPP, SBA, EIDL, CARES Act stuff. So the two of you do a lot of work from the chef perspective and from a bookkeeping perspective for the industry. And I want to touch on that. But first, what's happening with you and your family? Are you working? Did you have to shut down a restaurant? Give us a little bit of background on what's happened to you over the last six, seven, eight weeks. Oh, well, you know, when COVID hit, uh, it was,
1: like I said, COVID caught us all off guard. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, your podcast has been pretty much devoted toward COVID right now. I have an economy off guard in the restaurant that I was working at. I left Bally you know, after four years there, and I wanted to leave the, the private sector, and I wanted to get back in the public. Yeah. And um, I wanted to be cooking for um, my community, because where I'm at right now, we live in Ray, Colorado, too, we work out here. And it's a small community of people, but I wanted to be cooking for the community that I'm in, that I live with, that I see day in, day out. And I was getting a little bit tired of the private sector. And um, I was uh, working with a great line of cooks. And when COVID hit, it was, we saw a drop in revenue at about 75%, like immediately. And then we were able to recover and um, the guys at the restaurant were able to do their takeout and stuff like that. But I was one of the first ones that had to step down and kind of walk away. Just because, wow. I mean, when you lose that much revenue, you just can't support the payroll to keep a full crew on like that. That's just a cold hard reality of the situation. So um it was um it was a mutual meeting, it was a mutual um conversation between myself and the owner. I was just gonna walk away for a while. And that that left me unemployed, you know what I mean? Um and so the whole battle of um unemployment and the whole battle of trying to figure out what the next step is and where we're going and that that whole mess. Um I think though. For cooks, for us cooks, it was an opportunity to do something I haven't done in my 25 years in the industry. I was home with my family. I was, yeah. you know, I was waking up with the kids. I was getting ready. I was cooking for them for breakfast, and then I was there all day, which was hard. It's it was a hard transition to not yeah. be on the line, 12, 16 hours a day, cooking nonstop. But you know, I think for us, we really just my wife and I, we decided to make it. Um, it was a blessing for us. Just to actually spend time with my kids, which anybody who's in this industry who's married and has kids or just or has a family, y- y- you don't get to spend time with your family as much as we would like to, as normal people do. Um so that was a big blessing for us. I've been involved with my kids' lives a lot, probably more than they would want the last couple of years. <laughs> um, you know, and then um I'll tell you what, it's the harshest critic you can ever have as a kid. Sitting in front of your plate, looking at something you've worked hard, you're like, oh, "This is good, eat it." No, I don't like nope. it. Like it's done, I'm not doing it. Nick. <laughs> so we've stayed busy uh, with the just reembracing home life, and then we've stayed busy with um, uh, uh, turning our focus towards our bookkeeping aspect of yeah. things, and so we realized that, um, well. Anybody who runs the kitchen knows how small the profit margins are. It's, it's, it's almost not there sometimes. It's just really, really hard to make money, very hard to make money in this industry. It's very hard to keep things open, to keep people paid, keep people happy and all that. So um, uh, we already knew that the driving factor in a restaurant is food, but the driving factor of the food behind you are the numbers. You have to make sure that your numbers and that your books and everything makes sense and is lined up. And so we started looking at that from that situation and watching a lot of our chef friends struggle. And we realized that this would be um, that there's a big missing spot in our world. And that is books. It's it's the numbers behind the operation and what we're doing. And uh, very quickly, if those numbers start to fall apart, if those numbers don't make sense, Uh, and Chaps are, we like, we think we're good at numbers and we are good at numbers. We know how to take a raw product and turn it into a viable product we can sell and make some money on it. But there's so much more that happens behind that single process. And, um, the other part of it is we know, and like I said, I've been in the industry for 25 years. It's hard to find that time to sit down and actually start going through those numbers to go through the big statements, to go through the invoices and to, um, make sure that the numbers are all lined up and put what they're supposed to be so that come tax season everything is prepared everything's ready to go and that when you hand your numbers off to your tax person that um everything is ready to go and they're not going to have any trouble with you It's it's we like to think that we're good at numbers and that we know it's just plugging things in what it's supposed to be but um i was uh, actually talking to a friend of mine the other day about it Um, It's a lot like a knife in the kitchen. Yeah, you have the greatest knife that you can do. You drop $1,200 on a brilliant blade. it don't mean shit if you don't know how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, you got to know how to use that tool to the most efficient means possible. And if you don't know how to do that, if you don't have the time to put into learning how to do it, the knife isn't worth anything to you. It's the same thing with the bookkeeping aspect of it. Sure, you know your numbers. Sure you've got QuickBooks. Sure you you know that you just gotta plug things in. But if you don't know your way in your way in and around QuickBooks, if you don't know where numbers are supposed to be going, it's just so much more than that. You gotta understand what's going on. And to be blunt with you, understanding what's going on takes time. It takes time to figure that out. It takes time to figure out where those numbers go. And it's just like a knife in the kitchen, you gotta have a sharp tool that you know is gonna work and be efficient. And I'm not saying that um, uh, there are people out there who aren't efficient at that. But what I'm saying is that it's, it's just like any well placed person in the kitchen. You want somebody who can do what, knows what they're doing to do it efficiently. And uh, a lot of guys, a lot of owners just don't have that, that time to properly devote towards their books. And right now, with all the grants and the loans that have been coming out with PPE and the care PPP and the care and things like that, if you don't if you don't keep track of what you're doing, if you don't keep track of where those numbers are, the money you're spending and where it's going to, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. And that's really where bookkeeping comes into play. It's not even just during this unprecedented crisis that we have right now. Period. Come tax season every year. If you don't know what's going on at the end of the day with your numbers, it's gonna bite you in the ass. If you don't know what's going on on a week-to-week basis with your numbers, it's gonna bite you in the ass. It really is. And so we decided this would be the perfect time to just be like, to remind people that, look, there's a tool out here that a lot of cooks aren't using, a lot of owners aren't using, and that's bookkeeping. You've gotta have everything lined up and ready to go so you know what's going on on an interfacing side of things from a numbers point of view. Because at the end of the day, you could be as, as passionate as you want about your place, and the passion shows. And you could be putting in the mad hours to run your place. If those numbers don't line up, if you can't be successful as a business owner from a numbers point of view, you're gonna close, or you're gonna struggle, and you're gonna have a hard time. And so we wanted to offer that that service to cooks that are in the Colorado area. It's like let us help you. Um, it's like I said, I'm. Um, 25 years in, I know how cooks think, I know how we run our kitchens, I know what we're looking for, I know um, what we're trying to get on that plate, but I also know that the numbers behind it are paramount to everything, so those numbers don't line up, you're not going to have a plate to put the food on
0: to serve to anybody. Yeah, you're being uh, very diplomatic, because actually, cooks and chefs fucking suck at the numbers. Like, it's, it's it's like, I don't, I'm a chef. I'm here to cook. I don't care about the numbers. I don't want to worry about the numbers. And so we always push the priority of knowing the numbers off our plates to somebody else. And we try not to worry about them. And then we end up being detrimental to our own businesses. So that's a rampant problem. So I, I appreciate you being Uh, cordial about it, but the reality is we suck as individuals and as an industry when it comes to the numbers. We need the support. And so you started to mention it. Talk about that a little bit. The ability to be able to communicate with somebody and speak their language, which is chef and restaurant, and it's a completely different language. Let's not get it wrong. It's completely different than so many other languages. And so often we talk to a bookkeeper, we're like, they don't get it. Like, why are they asking me these questions that have no bearing on the way that I operate my kitchen and my business? So your ability to connect the dots, to communicate between chefs and restaurants and between Heather, who's got numbers on lockdown. Talk about that process for you. How do you see that going?
1: Well, it was it was a little bit challenging with my wife herself. She's the other half. Of, well, she's the the face in the front of Satchel and Rose Bookkeeping. She's the one in charge of the show. She's my boss. <laughs> no, uh, but it was it was it's been um, an evolving process for us trying to get her to like. She's been married to me. We've been married for probably seven years, but we've been together for ten. Like when we came down to when I joined on an Attack, which by <laughs> the way, I was thinking about that the other day. When I joined on Attack. Um, she was uh, my girlfriend at the time. So she's been in this industry as an outsider for, for 10 years now. But even then, when we started thinking about sharpening the focus of Saturn Rose towards restaurants, it was, I realized the challenges. It wasn't getting her to understand that. Like we think a lot differently than a lot of other people do. And one of the biggest things that we do think about is speed. Like we want shit done now. You know, we want that turnaround. We want results now and it's that we need it. That's what we thrive on. That's how we succeed in our businesses. We have results right away and we have good, efficient results right away. And um, as you mentioned, we're a breed of our own. We're completely different than a lot of other businesses out there. And it's just even from how we carry ourselves, how we talk um, or the language we use, everything from very colorful to talking about things that most people don't even understand. It's really hard. And we're we're a lot like cops. You know, it's really hard to get in on us and join our group. It's a very tight knit family. We do take care of ourselves. We take care of each other and we take care of our community. But it's really hard to get in on that and to be a part of that without actually um, living the life that we live. We have a hard time. With people who haven't made their bones in the industry, who haven't thrown down and got absolutely crushed under the weight of three hundred covers, or a prepless mile long or walk into the ovens, broken down, the walk in, broken down. We haven't, if you haven't experienced that with a with a shoulder to shoulder, we're not really going to be as open as we normally would be. Yes. Um, and the other part of it, I think, is is just that there's that that level of trust that. Like you were saying, I'm a chef, I don't care about the numbers, I just want to cook food and put the best I can on the plate and get that out. Yeah, that is a major drive into a lot of chefs and owners. But again, it goes back to, you're not going to be able to do that if you can't have your numbers facing, right? But just trying to get that changed to understand that like um, what drives a cook, what drives an owner, what drives the chef and understanding that if we can help them get to that point to be more efficient to be to have the numbers better to be able to get a few more pennies out out of what they're doing to be able to look at things and to go um okay you're spending way too much money here or this this um distributor is kind of screwing you over or something like that or your utilities are are off or anything like that if you're not able to look at that and understand what makes the kitchen tick what makes what makes a kitchen operate smoothly? It's going to be really, really hard to be of any viable asset to a company like that, and I think that's why it's. I think that's why we kind of got the edge on that. As I said, been there, been around, know how things work, know what to look for. Um, we know when we can look at certain aspects and certain facets of the of the restaurant and go, well, "You can save money here." We can can change money here we can do things a little bit differently here and there and there that frees up the cook that frees up that owner to just focus without so much weight on their shoulders worrying about the inner side of things but um, i think the biggest thing is is um, we don't play games we we, we value honesty yeah. we value blunt and tact because part of it is we don't have time for that. We we've got, you know, doors open in two hours. We've got X amount of covers coming. We got we gotta go. We got shit to do. And uh so um I think a lot of people outside of our industry don't understand that. Like there's a reason my plate is the first plate that's empty at every meal that we do at my house. And every time yeah. we get together with my family, I'm the first one done, stacked in the sink, going on the other things. We don't have time for shit, we gotta get going. And that sense of urgency really carries over into all of our lives. And I think it carries over into our books as well. And if, if, if you have somebody who's trying to help you and build up your company, they don't understand that. I think that that can turn people away. There's a lot of people, and I think in our own lives, who don't understand the sense of urgency that has permeated our entire life. If they don't understand that, that pushes them away. And they think we're standoffish and whatnot. If you have somebody who understands the mentality understands the stress factors that are going into our daily lives and our jobs that we that helps them able to meet your needs on a day-to-day basis
0: my friend that is a mic drop right there i love it man i absolutely love it i am so grateful that we met first of all i'm so grateful that we met and got to work together because again i cannot credit you enough with Challenging me on communication. And I talk about in this moment, I'm recognizing that the only thing that I'm actually really good at is hustle and communicate. And that's all I can do right now because that's all there is right now. And so this show is a manifestation of hustle and communicate. And the yeah. hustle I've always had, the communicate part, a lot of it came from you. So I'm, I appreciate that. I also am very interested in what you're talking about when it comes to somebody that just really gets it for people in the industry for understanding what it takes for a chef to be successful, which is why I think the work that you and Heather are doing is very important because it's so easy for us to dismiss people who are outside the industry that are in support or service industries for hospitality to say, ah, they don't get it. You will do two things. You will make a chef feel like you speak their language and two, you're gonna hold them accountable and say bullshit. I know exactly what it means. And this is what has to happen to connect those dots. So I really appreciate that. Uh, We get to playlist items to finish up an episode, but any hopes, thoughts that you have for the industry, if it comes to the numbers or just holistically coming out of COVID-19, any any hopes or visions you have for the industry? Uh, I
1: wanted to tie into one thing real quick and then answer your question one of the things when i was taking the the classes and learning about the bookkeeping aspect of it um i was actually blown away by the wealth of knowledge that was given that would make me be a better chef and manager in my own business like there's so much information I was like no shit, i wish i had known this four years ago you know what i mean uh but the other part of it is i struggle greatly learning um some of the concepts that have made me a bookkeeper in the fact that like we're chefs we take a raw viable product that's on our cutting board we it's tangible we can work with it we can use it with our hands and we transform it into something we can sell it's a very tangible thing right the world of bookkeeping is anything but mm-hmm. there's it, 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 it's it's cloud based it's online based it's all abstract thought and thinking and for me that was after of you know, doing things a certain way, working with things on, on my cutting board, in my saute pan, on my grill, I can poke, I can prod, I can smell, I can taste, I can work with that, but to go for something that's just an idea, a concept, and figure out how to you, is it, do, bro, it's, I still struggle with it sometimes, it's really hard, yes. <laughs> um, but that's just a fire, but when you find somebody that can bridge both of those worlds, you know, that's, it. It doesn't even have to be Saturn Rose. When you got somebody that can bridge that wall for you, that understands what's going on there, I think that's that's huge. That's paramount. I think that's where a lot of companies fell is you got seven guys to get together who who work in banking or they work in real estate or they work with all these abstract ideas, and they struggle to understand why the restaurant, which is very tangible, is struggling. It's because they don't. There's a there's a disconnect in the thought process. You got to be able to mesh that together um as far as the future well, there is absolutely no doubt the restaurant face has changed utterly and wow. completely changed um uh, i've heard some people say we've been gutted you know um i've got a lot of I've, you, you, we see a lot of chefs out there and a lot of people who are coming together taking care of their communities taking care of their staff taking care of each other and that's that's hopeful. You know We're, The whole reason we get into this industry is a service to others, make no mistake, this is a service job, a service industry, and uh, why it kind of opened up some, um, pulled the curtains back to some mirrors and people aren't liking what they're seeing a little bit, but it does give me hope that if we keep that in mind that it's a service based industry, and if anything, we know how to adapt. We know how to shift with the tides. We know how to roll with the punches. I mean, we're what a, the what a breed that's going to take the hit on the chin and get back up and say, that's all you got. Like, let's keep going. Uh, but I do think we're going to see a dramatic shift in how we do things. It's going to be towards the safety point of view, too, within the restaurants themselves. It's because right now we have to, from a government point of view, we have to make these changes. But I also think that it's exposed some of the weaknesses that we have in our industry and uh, those are being addressed. And chefs that I, I've talked to, circles that I've been involved with, that, those weaknesses are being addressed to be stronger. Um, but I don't think, I think that while we've been gutted, we're gonna be able to get back up and keep on going, but there's no doubt that things are gonna change. Uh, concepts and business modules are going to change. And uh, uh, I think it's gonna be for the better, it's gonna force people to think outside the box a little bit better. Um, If you've seen the argument that this, the industry is kind of overrun with restaurants a little bit, I'm not going to get into that too much, but I will say that it's going to force concepts to change their thought process, to change how they reach the clients, that the the customer base that they want to reach. And I think the only way that you can get better at what you're doing is through change. And the only way that you can improve what you're doing is to be forced to change. Sometimes we get a little bit stagnant, we get a little stuck in a rut, and we uh, sometimes don't change things up as much as we would like to. This is going to force us to think outside the box. If you want to stay open, you want to keep putting your plate out in front of people, keep putting your food out in front of people, keep living your dream, um, you're going to have to change, otherwise you're not going to be able to get back up on your feet. I've got a lot of hope just seeing what's going on in Denver, what's going on in Boulder and Fort Collins and Colorado Springs. Um, I've got a lot of hope for what's going to happen in the future right now. It's going to be a little shaky, a little scary. I do know it's going to be a long time before we get back to any type of normal sense of (laughs) world, but restaurants aren't going anywhere We're not.
0: Ace, you're my spirit animal, man. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, all right, this is good stuff. You got me energized, both real shit, real talk, and hopeful And sometimes that feels like it can be a contradiction, but that is so in people in hospitality, you know, like we're a little bit surly and we're of service and we're going to help people. And so I appreciate that you kind of bring those things to light. So I'm grateful. And I know that you and Heather are going to do really well with Satchel and Rose because you're going to connect those dots in a thoughtful way and support. So I appreciate that. Playlist items. My man, what are you listening to, watching, reading, playing? cooking with the kids that's keeping you motivated right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been a ride. I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, I think the future is going to be good for us. And it's really the motivation we have right now is just hopes and watching people get back on their feet, shake off that dust and get back to work. I mean, we're a tenacious breed, we're not gonna lie down and take this fighting. And uh, but it's really up to you as that individual as so what you're gonna do with the situation. How long are you gonna stay pissed off and bitter? How long are you gonna just stay on the floor? Or are you gonna get back up and work with what you got and keep moving forward? Um, but that's where I get a lot of my motivation from. I look at guys like you and what you've been doing with your podcast. I look at a lot of other guys that are in the industry and they just keep pushing forward. They just, is they understand the picture is bigger than them. And I mean, it's. Hard times for sure, but we're going to be fine. We're going to do really, really well. Um, and a lot of things that what I've been doing, um, what have I been I'm trying to think of what I've been listening to and reading right now? And it's really weird. It's not all restaurant-based. I do tune into your podcast a lot. And what I actually found really interesting for me is I've been going back to my old cookbooks. You know, that, that bookshop that's kind of in the back in the corner. Getting a little bit of dust i go back to that and i find inspiration in those dishes again and going okay let's bring this food back out just start cooking again from the things that i found was um inspiring to me in the first place
0: yeah
1: um, right i mean that's what, it, what what got you into it in the first place the, that's the cookbooks that i go back to i've been reading that um a lot of um a couple of publications on hunting which Ironically, it's weird because, you know, we're uh cooking industry, but I found a, a, a publication that I call, it's called Modern Huntsman, okay. and they talk a lot about uh, conservation and the use of public lands and habitat preservation and stuff like that, but the core, we've got to take care of what's around us and the core that we have to... Um, invest in our future to make sure that it's still there uh, that ties directly into our industry we've got to take care of what we have what's going on right now and we have to put procedures in place to protect our future
0: that's great ace so amazing catching up with you so great to talk with you i i was so happy when we decided to take on this challenge of trying to communicate in this way and do it on a live stream. And it was awesome, my friend. You fucking killed it, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, dude. Well, it helps that you enunciate like a white guy. No, uh, it's crazy, man. Oh, I love it. All right, Ace, you have a great day. Go hang out with that family. Go cook with them. Thanks, man. Ace Lene Spidel, such an inspiration to me. He was 10 years ago and clearly watching that he is right now in this moment, just real and thoughtful, hopeful, but not full of it. Also, it's just a, a really great uh, balancing act. And, you know, he's struggles with words in the way that we try to communicate them. If he cannot hear them yet, clearly he's got a gift for gab and a gift for words. It's because they matter so much to him because they are his lifeline to be able to communicate with people, to be able to interact on a human level, and especially in a kitchen that is so turn and burn, as he mentioned. So I'm grateful for the friendship that we've had, for the tutelage and guidance that he's given me early on and throughout. And this conversation, it really did. It meant a lot to me to be able to do that and nailed it. No communications lost throughout that. It was really great. So thank you, everybody, very much. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.